Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Revocations. New album, Nether Heaven, sees the band in absolute peak form. The album is dedicated to the memory of Trevor Sternad and includes guest vocals from the late singer as well as Corpse Grinder on the track, Re-Crucified. Watch videos, listen, and read about the album right now at metalblade.com slash revocation. Nether Heaven hits digital and physical shelves on September 9th. Also, Libica is set to unleash their debut instrumental post-rock opus. Fans of Pelican, Russian Circles, etc. will enjoy this effort from Killswitch Engage drummer Justin Foley, who is on the guitar this time around with friends from the Florida music scene, Joey Johnson, Doug French, and Chris Lane. Foley comments, I'd written a bunch of stuff that didn't quite fit into traditional song structures, explains Justin, and I've always been drawn to bands where the instruments provide hooks rather than relying on a lyric. It seemed like a good time to start something new and see where it can go. Listen and watch now. Metalblade.com slash Libica. Once again, guys, Nether Heaven by Revocation comes out September 9th. Make sure you're picking it up and make sure you are checking out Libica. Go to Metalblade.com slash Libica. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Jocelyn Sharp, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, all our friends out there? It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by... Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me all over the internet at uh, wizardofjaws.com. That's like Wizard of Oz with a J. And there's all kinds of things you can click there. You can click till you're so happy. Click all you want. Happy, happy clicks are what we're about, right? I mean, I, I'm assuming. Or, you know, obviously. Sounds dirty. Happy we, have clicks. To, we have to stop saying happy clicks. It sounds dirty. We have to stop saying it. Okay? First off, it doesn't sound dirty. And who else is joining us this week? Happy click and Sylvia. <laughs> you, can, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Sorry. Edits to Sylvia. There you go. Edits to Sylvia. Make sure to follow our co-host, guys. Don't forget about him. Brandon Hahn. That is at your buddy Gooch on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend. Our other podcast on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, can we talk about throwing another one in the bucket list? Oh, man. Band that I've championed. A band that I listen to. Top five band of mine of all time, without a doubt. I listen to them religiously, weekly, whatever record, live record, whatever it is, and that is Clutch. And Neil Fallon was awesome enough while on tour in Europe to grant me an interview so we can promote the latest record by them. That is Sunrise on Slaughter Beach, 
which is coming out September 16th. Guys, pre-order it. Make sure you're picking it up, guys. Also, do not miss out. They're doing a free live stream. September 17th, day after the release, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. It's on Clutch's YouTube channel. Mark your calendar. Give yourself an invite in North America where we all reside. Get really super excited to see them live in person with Helmet and Quicksand. Those dates are starting September 13th, guys. A lot to promote, but it's Clutch. Love them to death. So, But pump your brakes. I know you're all excited. Before we jump into our interview with Clutch, me, Sylvia, Jaws, we're going to chat a little bit. But the metal sucks news. All right, guys. First story we're going to talk about. Well, it's not really. Uh, we're going to talk about a uh, couple stories on the metal sucks news. But the first thing we want to talk about is Jocelyn just filmed their first cos- comedy. <laughs> about, I, I don't know if people can tell, but I'm really sick right now. So not. <laughs> I'm trying not to get the sniffles into the mic, but. Uh, uh-huh. We're doing it from the Zoom, as you guys can tell. But anyways, uh, so I apologize for my uh, my day quill head. But anyways, uh, Jocelyn did her first comedy special, guys. We've been promoting it for a while. Tell us, Jaws, about your comedy special, everything about it, how the trip was, how the show was. Bring it. You're the star, girl. Do it. Oh, my God. So first of all, I did like this road trip, and I did a bunch of shows leading up to it. I did the secret basement show in Colorado Springs with um, the Beanie Boys, shout out Beanie Boys podcast. They put on the secret basement show so I could run my special before I recorded it. How and cool. My, some of my family members from Nebraska showed up. They like surprised me <laughs> and showed up for this basement show in this dirty stoner comedian house. <laughs> <laughs> like joints everywhere like the basement was filled with weed smoke and my, my aunt Jackie was just like trying to act normal oh. <laughs> I was texting the rest of my family emojis I was like this is aunt Jackie's face during the abortion jokes <laughs> 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 because all the com- there's a lot of great comics that opened for me and then I got to do my time and it was really fun and Eric from Looney's in Colorado Springs showed up. He's the owner and he's been really supportive of me my whole career. He was the first like real comedy club owner to headline me, which was a big deal. And uh, for him to like show up and support my dry one was like really cool. It was like actually kind of an emotional week. It was really touching. A lot of people showed out for me and showed up. My buddy, Mike Simpson um, at Mike Simpson, haha. We're going to talk about him a little later because he sent me a gem of a text, but uh, he flew out from Arizona for it. And he showed up with people to support. It was just my husband flew out. Uh, People were sending me money and just telling me to like, have a great week. My boss gave me the week off. It was just really amazing. Uh, and then it comes to the night of the special recording and I just couldn't even get nervous. It just felt like prom. I just felt like the bell of the ball. It was amazing. I was the baddest bitch in the room and I got to prance around in my crown and it went off without a hitch. I could not have asked for it to have gone better honestly. Uh, and that's unlike me to say, if you know me at all, you know, after shows, I'm genuinely more likely to talk about how poorly I did than, than that. But, uh, truthfully it was, uh, you know, people <laughs> cried afterwards cause they were proud of me. It was just really emotional. It was 10 years of hard work and sacrifice and I made something I'm really proud of. And I had a really, really fun night and I got to show what, I've been sacrificing for and 
now it's down on paper and you're going to be able to watch it hopefully on some streaming service in this future and listen to it on your phones on uh spotify but it's it was such a fun night i could not have asked it it literally went almost perfectly it was unreal i am so grateful super grateful we are so proud of you, Jaws. So, I mean, and all the listeners out there that have been with us for so many years, guys, make sure make sure you support. But, I mean, they support by listening and all that stuff. But it was such a buildup, and I remember the day of, I'm like, I got to text her. I got to, I don't know what to do. Like, it was just, I was, it, it's, you were in the, all our thoughts. So, I just, the positive energy was going your way. And the fact that it went almost perfect, that was your words. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason I'd say it went almost perfect is it is just there was there was a few things. Of course, it's you know, I'm yeah. I'm no by no means a veteran comedian. I've only been doing it for 10 years. So it's like I there was parts of it where I was like, fuck, I got out of order in the jokes there and I didn't do it the way I normally would. So oh. there were things that were less than perfect, but there was also things where it was like all the crowd work was just melding together really beautifully and the organic moments were really organic and they were really hitting and it was just that kind of made up for it for me. So I didn't really give a fuck that I fucked the order up at the end of the day. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to tell I fucked the order up because you don't, I only, only I know that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know how many bands in the studio made a mistake back in the heyday and then that mistake was amazing. Yeah. That's right, dude. So I'm going to say that you made a, a, a Led Zeppelin mistake and it turned out to be Stairway to Heaven. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was really awesome honestly it was the night of my life and then i went ate fucking chicken strips galore and hell yeah and smoked hell of weed uh <laughs> and just had the best night of my life i feel and like then- everybody listening here can relate to chicken strips weed and comedy <laughs> so it feels like you did it all in one night you just over. You're it. like, let me just go overkill. But everybody here would consider that a great night. One of those three things. Literally, this is how good that night was. And I'm also my mental illness tells me how great things are because when things go too well, like it went so well that my brain was like, well, obviously I have a brain tumor and I'm about to die. Oh, so that's, so that's how perfect it was. Yeah. That's how my brain thinks. You know. <laughs> Well, congratulations. We're going to keep talking about it, listeners, when you guys can get it out there on the streaming service. Like I said, we're super proud. We've been building it up, and, uh, you know, we missed you for a couple weeks over here, but all of us knew where you're at and what you're doing, so it's it's pretty awesome, dude. So congratulations. I'm glad we got to talk about that on the show. Speaking of, you said you got a text from Mike Simpson and other fellow comic guys who you guys should definitely support, somebody we love out here in Las Vegas. Um, Motley Crue and Def Leppard me and Sylvia and Jocelyn and Brandon we've all I'm just gonna say overall we're like pretty negative when this thing was announced god it was like two and a half years ago and then COVID messed it all up we're like dude really stadium tour like because of all the negative press for Vince Neil we we just weren't positive about it right what finally happened here in Las Vegas Sylvia being the amazing human being that she is she was like dude you want to go so she had a pair of tickets, and she was offering me the other seat, which was amazing of her. And I was like, well, I'm sick. I can't. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have went. I'm just being honest. But I, I, <laughs> I'm i using a sick excuse is the reason I didn't go, right? So I didn't go. But, dude, sure. a lot of our friends went. Like, I'm Did you go, Sylvia? No. 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 So 
<laughs> None of us on the show went. So we talked. I'm not suffering through that alone. <laughs> we talked. To, no, first off. By myself. First off, it wouldn't have been suffering. It would have been, I personally think. I've seen Joe Jet live, and she's awesome. I've seen Poison live, and they, they're awesome. Um, I'm not a huge Poison fan, but they're great live. I've seen Def Leppard live, and, dude, I love them. You know? I've seen Molly Crew live, and they're a great show. But, you know, there's just a lot of help <laughs> right? So from Vince Neil's side. And that's what we were talking to Mess about, because there was this big promo of him getting in shape back in the day, right? So... A lot of my friends went, but the best thing ever is that Jocelyn sent us a text message of one of, of Mike Simpson, right, Jos? Going to the yes. show? Taking yes. a picture of a guy whose phone is like, like he must be blind because like the words are like, God, I don't know how big on the screen. But we can read. They're pretty the, ginormous. Yeah, we can read the entire text message, and I want to read it to you guys. It looks Photoshopped. They're so big. Yeah, look, it does. I was like, dude, <laughs> who, this is real text message? Yes, it's real. And this is a sneaky text message from uh, Motley Crue. Sounds terrible, but the the lights show is impressive. <laughs> so, I mean, they got that to fall back on. Uh, I love that she's like she's having the worst time ever. So she, but she's also enjoying the light show. Like, <laughs> well, and Mike told me I asked him because I was like, I have a feeling. I just have to ask, and he goes, "What?" And I go did this concert start at 5 p.m.? And he goes, yes. <laughs> oh, it did? Yes. Oh, yeah. It started did it like end? late afternoon and ended by like 7.45. No, it's not true. It's not true. No, it didn't. <laughs> Lies. I swear I, to God. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised. I swear to God. He said Joan Jett went on and the sun was still out. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah no, no. No. It, keep in mind, the sun goes down right now in, in summertime at like, you know, everywhere. Well, and it was Phoenix. He lives in Phoenix. Oh, so. he saw it in Phoenix. I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about the show here in Vegas. Oh, um, he saw it in Phoenix. So it was hot and they were like out in this open stadium. And he also said that like when Tommy Lee came out, <laughs> that of course he like has to like talk to the audience and he says something about boobs. And so of course all the ladies in the audience show their tits. It was just like a scene. Sure. 40 year old titties and nipples swinging and tommy lee of course is unfazed because he's literally seen thousands of tits in his life so he goes he goes no uh i'm tired of tits i've, I've seen it before he goes let me see your dicks and the stage manager like, <laughs> like cuts a mic motion she's like we can't do that we can't yeah, that, so that's I, criminal right oh anyway you know what you guys just made me realize something tits are not criminal like, yeah yeah, tits aren't criminal. Dicks are criminal. Dicks are criminal. Dicks are, yeah. uh, it's criminal. Yeah, I can't do that. And this is an all-ages concert. Am I wrong? I thought it was all-ages. You can't. No, it, dude, I think, were, I think that it's all-ages. <laughs> I just, it just, I was like, whoa. You can have some kids seeing Motley Crue for the first time at like eight years old and then dicks out. Whoa, bro. Yeah, I'm glad they cut the mic whoa. on that. You know what's funny is that I didn't think about this, but I've been to thousands of concerts at this point mm-hmm. in my life. I've seen Motley Crue quite a few times. I don't recall a, uh, you know, flashing situation when I've seen them. I've seen them three times, actually. I don't want to say a bunch of times, but I can't recall one time ever. Oh, I lied. I remember one time a lead singer asked the audience to show them their tits. One time. You know what band that was? This is going to be crazy. Uh-huh. This is we're, we're going early 90s, 2000. Lit. That's the one band I heard the singer say, hey, let me see your tits. Crazy. <laughs> have you guys ever been to a show where someone asked that from the audience? I haven't. That's, I'm just saying. This no. Is, oh. Uh-uh. 
Yeah. It's always been like, it's always been like, let's start the mosh pit. And I'm like close to the mosh pit. I'm like, "Uh, please don't. The reason I grumbling about opening up the pit. That's, oh yeah, that's always. Happening. The reason I remember this is because it was me with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm a teenager, man, I was 16, 7, I don't know, I was young, and her friend, and her friend flashed the band, and I looked at her, and I got in so much trouble. That's why I remember that. Uh, because you looked at the friend's boobs. I did. I was like, "What?" But you gotta understand. It's like going in hindsight. It's like I wasn't looking to see. I just was kind of. It was like a shocking moment for like this dude screaming <laughs> this. This person's like fifteen, by the way, at the time. <laughs> like, and I was like, I'm like "Oh my oh. gosh!" I didn't. I didn't sign up for this. Two. There's a couple times I got shocked at concerts. I I think I told the story when I saw Blind Melon, uh, and Shannon Hoon peed on the crowd. Like, I don't know if I told you guys, at the Huntridge Theater, Shannon Hoon, you know, the lead singer of Blind Melon, he just whipped it out and started peeing towards the audience, dude, at the Huntridge. Oh, this is in 94, no. 95. And I was, I was like a 15-year-old kid, 14-year-old kid. And so there's a couple times where I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? Right? And uh, that moment there, same same theater, the Huntridge. Yeah. But it's, I just I just think in 2022, I guess Tommy Lee can pull it off, to, to, to ask the audience to do that. At least in our scene, I don't know about other genres. Like, I'm not gonna say in house music or anything like that because I'm not in that scene. That seems like a big fat no no. You guys don't disagree? Right now, for someone to like whip out their dick? No, no, no. For asking the audience to do that. Oh, um... I, I feel like it's um, feminist in a weird way. Okay, <laughs> no, this is what we wanted. Okay. Okay, hear me out. Unless... I, I mean, think, I guess it's 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 a thing that's always happened where like the the artist is uh, saying, "Hey, let me see your tits." The dick one is new. Uh, I feel like that one's a little bit blurry. <laughs> like that one's uh, maybe well, not. If you showed it in Japan, it would be blurry. But um, <laughs> it, the, here's my thing about it: is like I I have like strong feelings about gender constructs and how they're just like built to make us feel bad about ourselves, and they're set upon us. And so for us to sexualize any of our body parts, when we should decide when our body parts are sexualized, like nobody else around us should be like, oh, I'm looking at your tits right now. That's sex. No, when I, it's sex when I want it to be sex. Otherwise I'm just hot, you know, like it's not Mm -hmm. how I feel. I feel like we put all this pressure because of these like Christian patriarchal standards in our society, especially in America where it's like, you know, you should cover up or we still have this asking for a culture like nudity shouldn't be something that we're so opposed to. We teach shame in bodies and we teach shame in sex and we teach shame in organs and things that are just very natural and you shouldn't feel shameful about truthfully. But maybe I've been to one too many drum circles. I don't know. Uh, so I'm not <laughs> going to say that and your, your point's valid. I'm going to give you that. But if somebody's saying it from a stage that's like a hero element and I don't know. It's, it's a little different. It's a little different. I think it's fine because he literally had posted his dick on Instagram the week before. It was sort of like, I'll show you mine. Show you I like I like how you're keeping all the context in play of who said it. Uh, and I agree with you. I feel it's fine for Tommy Lee to do it. I feel like yeah. it would be weird if it was, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like if, if Taylor Momsen did it, it would feel kind of weird. No. I, I, I Not to me. She's playing tonight. It's so funny you said awesome, Taylor Mont- like we're the pretty reckless is playing right now, right? So tonight. Yeah, and, they are. And I was gonna I wanted to go see him, but again, I'm not I'm sick, so I can't go see him. Because she's yeah. a badass. But uh 
I guess, yeah. She said, hey, ladies, let me see your tits. <laughs> you would think about it. If she was like, hey, whip out your dick, you would think for a second. You'd be like, I probably should. Oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I probably should. No, no, no. no. I, I'm pretty sure no matter how drunk, high, or whatever I am, I know that's criminal. And I, I ain't fucking. You can't, you can't have that, dude. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad situation. I'm moving on to the first man on suck story right now. I'm sorry. It's okay. I like it when it gets weirder. I feel the listeners being like, where's Neil Fallon at, dude? Get, move on. <laughs> like, uh, he's, he's on his way. He's almost here, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I do appreciate oh, they it. Love it. They, they love do. it. They do. Most of the emails we get, they love it. Uh, absolutely. So the first story I did want to talk about, guys, and we'll jump into our interview real soon because we did go a little long already on our, on our uh, intro tar- here. But um, the Foo Fighters Taylor Hawkins tribute show happened out there in London. And I just feel like when some event like that happens and everybody's watching it on the YouTube or it was on Paramount Plus or in it's London, like on MTV, MTV YouTube, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's all it's all over the place. Um, you guys can see clips and you see a son playing drums to my hero and oh my gosh, uh, Dave Grohl breaks down to times like these. It, it just shows, man, like the power of music and 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 how it the catharsis to it man it was just a beautiful event but it felt it around the world it was just like look this isn't about genre this is about mm-hmm. you know the world and and the circumstances and the beauty behind it and i just wanted Music's to a universal language man it's, yeah you don't have to speak the same language to hear the same thing and uh the the story that we have on metal sucks that you guys should definitely check out uh trent reznor told his fans he had tears in his eyes is well i'll quote him correctly tears in his fucking eyes watching the Taylor Hawkins tribute show. And I feel like that's how all we, we all felt, but that's something that mm-hmm. uh, I think is a, I don't know, man. I love sadness. I love it when I feel it for reals. Like I said, the whole point of life is always to make sure you keep feeling, you know, feel the shame afterwards if you're angry all the time, but you, you got to keep feeling right. And uh, as disconnected as we are, we, we have no ties to to taylor hawkins and his families the foo fighters have been a part of our lives for so long their music's their songs um and just to see that tribute show was a big deal to me i remember the chris cornell one it wasn't done the same way like this but we saw a lot of youtube clips and things like that it it didn't have the um, i don't know it didn't have the same weight where it stuck with me for a long time but what are your guys thoughts on this i mean i don't want to just take over the whole conversation on it no, I saw um I saw like bits and pieces that day and yeah, um Taylor Hawkins' son playing drums, goosebumps, I was crying. Um and Wolfgang Van Halen also oh, that was yeah. another favorite because of course his father passed away what two years ago now? Has it been that long? Yeah, but maybe I think like yeah, it's been a minute. Twenty twenty one. Um yeah, it's been it's been a, a year or two. But you know, he did um Hot for Teacher. And on fire, yeah, didn't miss, didn't skip a beat, nothing like it was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, not, not, uh, not a dry tear or not a dry eye. I mean, like just lots of tears and tearing up. And I'm like, oh my god, like you lost your dad, you lost your dad too. (laughs) No, it's it's happy tears, right? Yeah, but it was everything was beautiful, like it was so nicely done. I agree, I agree. Uh, it's like I said, I like to shine a light on those moments, man. And everybody that wins a heartbreaking thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. Heartbreaking, honestly. 
But um, just to point out, when um, Taylor Hawkins' son was playing drums, you could see how proud Dave Grohl was. Yeah, watching him just just bang on those drums and just how how happy he was to share that that stage with him and just kind of give him uh, the spotlight too. As a father, man, like I'll, I'll break down mm-hmm. right now just thinking about um, allowing my son to celebrate me and that. Like I said, I can't even I can't even get this out without choking up. Celebrate me and and uh, no and, and Dave Grohl's daughter. Guys, yeah. yeah, she uh she covered Jeff Buckley's uh two of his songs amazing job too like everything was just it was really really good so definitely get out there guys watch that thing cry like we did i think they're doing another one in los angeles yeah Yeah, it'll be later this month i think like september 27th yeah Yeah, i think uh i think a friend of the pod mike simpson haha is actually gonna go he's going uh that might lucky yeah that might be worth the trip man i'm i'm kind of after seeing what happened out there, but we're only four hours away, dude. Yeah, we're, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. But that was uh that was a magical thing, and you know, we we did a whole thing when Taylor obviously passed away, and it was a a big deal to the scene and all that stuff. And but, uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful thing. Last story, guys, real quick, we'll touch on because, like I said, we did go over our time a little bit. Is Ozzy Osbourne just put out a new record, Patient Number Nine, guys? Definitely listen to it. Check it out. A lot of great guests: Clapton, Beck, just just a really cool record duff mckagan's on there chad from the chili peppers um but he said on his future is he ain't stopping he's not stopping he wants to play live all those things how do you guys feel about that because i I feel like i love ozzy doing the studio work right now and doing all these cool albums with all these great guests but i feel like you know the live thing i'm okay i'm okay with him pausing man it just seems like it's it's going to be much. There's been a lot of health concerns lately. What do you, Jazz? Let's go with you. What do you think? I don't know, man. I just well, here's the thing. I am never going to pretend to know what it's like to be 70 years old and be one of the biggest rock stars on the planet, right? I'm never going to pretend to understand that. To not only be one of the biggest rock stars on the planet, I mean, and he's probably like older than that. I'm probably being generous. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think uh, uh, I think he's around seventy-ish, but he he's, is. He's seventy-three. Yeah, he, and he's a he's a literal legend, like a, a living legend. Okay. Now, I can't fault him for wanting to continue to go, and I've seen him talk in interviews about how he would be dead if it wasn't for Sharon because he doesn't have um, control of the throttle. So I don't know that a man like Ozzy Osbourne is ever going to just retire and sit my ties. And dude, I, I think you, I, I get it. Live, live by the sword, die by the sword. I love it all. But there's like a Parkinson diagnosis. There's certain things that I feel like, um, I want to put him on that stage, but I, yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I'll pay for the ticket. I've seen him a ton of times. Yeah. Also, if he's still, you know, capable, like, yeah, he has Parkinson's, but if he still feels that he is healthy enough to go out, I mean, like really only he knows how he feels. And I know there's like conspiracy theories that Sharon's like trying to kill him. By working him to death or something, that's, but yeah, well, I mean, there's always going to be conspiracy theories. Yeah, but it's like at the end of the day, if you've watched them talk to each other and their dynamic, he's not the type to do just what she says 
quietly. <laughs> so <laughs> it feels a lot more like this is just how he's never, ever going to be able to stop. He's going to have a mic in his hand in the coffin. I, I love, I love what you're saying, but I feel like there's a way now that he's a dude. It's just like, I want to be like, dude, you've given so much to our lives. Retire yeah. or do one show, do a big ass show in London, dude. It's cool. Live stream it for us. But that's what my argument is. You don't have to tour the world, bro. Go relax, be happy. But his, his only, what if his only happiness is, is with the mic in his hand? Yeah. No, dude, I'm not going to argue that. I, 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 you're completely right. We can't say that. I, I just feel like, I mean, if anybody has given yeah. it all to us, fans in the world, Shit. dude. Yeah. Ozzy, Ozzy he gave us his entire family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that worked out. That worked out for all of them. Everybody made. I'm just saying. I, dude, I would hate to have my family on a reality show. I would. I. I you know what? I ain't gonna touch that. I just. Would suck That's for why them. Amy didn't do it. Yeah, it would suck for them. Yeah, I do. Can you imagine? Hey, you guys are filming me. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so, anyways, with that, oh, guys, my family's pretty funny. I would like it. Oh, look at you! You turned it around. You're like, dude, watch my family. So, anyways, guys, that's all the news stories we got um, this week. We're gonna jump into my interview for sure, but I gotta tell you guys about two things that you met, you have to make sure you are putting your ears to. Right, the first one we've talked about it many weeks already. Machine Head's new record is out; they are back, and their most crushing and complete album yet of Kingdom and Crown is out. It's an hour-long conceptual monolith, rich in color and dynamics but hell-bent on destruction. Guys, if you haven't been listening nonstop to Of Kingdom of Crown, Machine Head's latest, get your ears on it ASAP. They really, really fucking take it to another level. A fantastic record. It's been out, and it's out right now on Nuclear Blast Records, so make sure you're checking it out. And also, Parkway Drive's new album, Darker Still, is out right now. Guys, over the years, Parkway Drive has evolved from metal underdogs to festival headlining behemoths off the backs of close to 20 grueling years, six critically and commercially acclaimed studio albums, all of which achieving gold status in their home nation of Australia. Three documentaries, one live album, and many, many thousands of shows. Guys, Parkway Drive has put it all out there for us. You guys got to celebrate the new record. It's their six, as we mentioned, Darker Still. It is out now, guys. Make sure you are checking out the latest from Parkway Drive. And with that, it's time to celebrate. It's time for my interview with the one and only Neil Fallon of Clutch. Everybody, what is going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Neil Fallon from Clutch. We are here to celebrate Sunrise on Slaughter Beach, the new album coming out September 16th, dude. And also, North American fans, we are here to promote the tour that's coming up here with Clutch, of course. Helmet, Quicksad, J.D. Pinkas, starting September 13th out here in North America. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering your ticket. All right, Neil. First thing I want to talk about, I just got my vinyl from the Doom Saloon 4, man. It was great. Like, eh, maybe like three weeks ago, dude. And it, and it had a lithograph with the sign thing. Beautiful, beautiful, dude. Um, celebrating 30 years, you know, as a band and having that year. Now, you got to do some live shows to celebrate, but tell me about the live streaming process for the Doom Saloon, the show you guys did with Crowbar, all that stuff. Um, how that was for you as an artist? 
Uh, well, first of all, I'm glad you're not the Doom Saloon. Um, let's see, eight months after we recorded it, <laughs> that's a, in, indicative of the uh, the, the tight uh, uh, business of, of pressing vinyl these days. But that's another conversation. Um, you know, it was great in that it gave us a goal. You know, not to overstate the obvious that the last two years, you know, a lot of bands kind of been chasing their own tails. Um, not being able to do what they love in public um, and it would have been a bad scene if we just kind of sat around and waited on our hands for two years because music is a physical activity and it's just like any other muscle. If you don't use it, it atrophies and you forget and you get weak. And I think the best part of the Doom Saloons was just having a, a goal every few months to, to practice for, to look forward to. And it was also very um, encouraging that even though, you know, watching a stream is nowhere near as exciting as a live band, there was, you know, thousands of people that watched us. And it was a, it was a bit of a leap of faith. It was definitely a learning curve. Um, I remember my son, who was 10 at the time, showing me how to use YouTube. Um, <laughs> if that's any indication of my technical prowess. Uh, but I think it was... Um, it, it was a good experience. And I think I, I know a lot of people kind of made an event of, out of it at, at their homes. So, um, but like I said, it's no substitute for the real thing. I completely agree. And, and, and same thing. I, I took it as a different experience for myself as a fan. Uh, it's almost like checking in with you guys and like making it all like work out. And then the, the deep cuts that came out of a lot of the live streams were a lot of bands. It was the best, you know? <laughs> Because uh, you guys, um, li being a live band is something so important. And I've seen you guys, I can't tell you, like, for years. You know, I'm out here in Las Vegas. I remember the first live album I got was live at the Gogoloplex or something like that. And, um, yeah. and I was like, this is, we need this presentation, right, for the fans to get out there. And then I remember when Live at Flint came out, it seemed like this documentary is now catching everybody's ears for your guys' live presentation. Have you always felt as the essence of Clutch is on that stage and that you had to make it transfer to the records? Or did you kind of feel kind of a different vibe where it's like, I got to get these records transferred to that stage? Um, it's a good question. I mean, to, to speak on the, uh, the, the streaming thing, one thing that we were adamant about was to actually do it live. Mm. Uh, a, a lot of streams may try to present themselves as being live, but they're pre-recorded. And there was, because of that, there was a lot of, not anxiety, but um, uh, adrenaline knowing that you got to do it right the first time because you've promised a recording to people of this. Uh, so if there's a train wreck, there's going to be a train wreck. And I think I'd rather have a honest mistake than a perfect lie, um, if that makes any sense. Um, I'd rather people say, they're better live on stage than on the, in the studio um, because anyone can be incredible in the studio these days. I mean, maybe 40, 50 years ago, you had to, had to know your chops, but you know, there's the undo button in the studio and you can take your time. And I think maybe about halfway through our career, we realized the best formula was to write the songs and then play them live as much as possible and then record it. It's, it's more economical. You don't have to worry about remembering parts. You can actually 
have fun and, and perform instead of sitting there, but make like it's an exercise. Um, and that was one big difference with Sunrise or Slaughter Beach on Slaughter Beach. We didn't have that luxury of playing it live on stage. So it, it, that this next record is much more of a studio um, centric idea. Not that we can't play it live, but it forced us into a situation we hadn't been in in quite some time. Which sometimes is good is a good uh, scenario. I think it's a it, it turned out to be a great scenario for a, a fan like me because there are tracks that I think that you did you know put on the record that I think really worked in that environment. A track like Mercy Brown really expanded so much you know to the catalog, but it also felt like it was something that you can conceive easier in a studio type setting opposed to like the live presentation. Tell me about that track because I know it's not out there yet, but when fans pre-ordered this record on September sixteenth, because that's why we're talking. They're gonna they're gonna know all about it. So tell me a little bit about that track. Um, sure. The um, this is sort of like a short laundry list of things that I've always said. Oh, that would be a cool uh, song, a cool idea to write a song about, or a person, or an event. Um, and you know, you don't have to stick to the facts because it's just a rock and roll song. It's not a you know historical dissertation. Uh, and Mercy Brown has been one of those characters um that has always been in the back of my mind thinking that would be a cool topic to to write a song about and it was just a matter of waiting to hear the music that would be appropriate i mean if you know the instrumental version of you know mob goes wild doesn't scream oh this has to be about mercy brown <laughs> you know so you wait to the slower, more minor key songs, and that one was one of it, and it kind of instantly fell into place. And for those who don't know about Mercy Brown, it's a historical you know, figure in New England and Rhode Island. Um, I won't waste too much oxygen. Just just look it up, and, and your mind will be blown that this happened in the latter half of the 19th century as opposed to the 15th. Dude, that's actually something definitely worth people's times. And uh, the track is powerful, man. It's powerful. You know, right in the rain, it's, it's sequenced really well and all those things. And lyrically, I know that you get a lot, a lot of questions about lyrics, man. I always seen you as a midnight poet, you know, type of thing. And, and I always Google lyrics. You know, I'll Google something like Farrah Fawcett Lighter. Was a Farrah Fawcett Lighter a thing? And then I, I, I don't know because I love where it comes from in your heart. But when you are writing, do you feel like do you focus more on memory of the past or storytelling for your process? I think um, storytelling, um, you know, of course, I think you, no one can escape their past because it defines their present. Um, it colors everything, you know, good and bad. Uh, but I find it much more entertaining to, to write fictions in, in the lyrics with maybe some elements of truth. Uh, it's fun to sing over and over again because you always can find a different angle. If it were always autobiographical or diary entry, I could see that getting very tiresome very quickly, um, constantly regurgitating some personal experience, which sure, maybe that could speak to someone. And there are plenty of artists that do that and do it excellently. Uh, I'm just not one of those. Uh, I like to, uh, I like to spin a yarn, so to speak. 
And another part of it, that the Clutch universe for sure now, has been the music videos. You guys take so much time, so much effort into creating the story with the package of the music video. Um, tell me about like the process on that, the direction that you're involved with and all that stuff. Um, to get, I mean, it's not just the latest video, Slaughter Beach, which is out right now, which everybody should check out, but it's been your guys' catalog now for years that you've really put the effort in to give us a great music video. So tell us about how important that is to you in that process. Well, that's kind of something that it was never a natural fit for us. We've always kind of been really um, reluctant to ham it up in front of cameras uh don't we could talk and talk and talk and as soon as somebody comes in with a camcorder and i'm showing my age by using that term um it will shut up um it, it was oh, never in our wheelhouse but recently uh over the past couple of years we found some great people to work with um dave and ali from my good eye productions are, are amazing what they do and i think a lot of it has to do with trust um you know the video with dave and ali like the, the, the last few that we've done they don't really write treatments they'll shop ideas and we'll say yay or nay or we don't feel comfortable doing that or sure we'll do this um and then it's also a, a, a an exercise in in kind of relinquishing a bit of creative control which is tough because you want to it's it's our band it's our thing and to allow someone to interpret the music and then that become public is a pretty um it's a, it's a big leap and it took us a long time to get comfortable with that and i think it was mostly just finding the right people yes absolutely collaborating beyond the trusted circle i think is is something that it, it can make it grow, though, and that's what these videos did. Now, one thing in the videos that I really liked was you guys had these Weathermaker uniforms. Are you going to be able to – are we going to sell those? Are you guys going to wear those on stage? Tell me about the Weathermaker uniforms. Okay, well, I can say uh, uh, there's never going to be a day where Clutch is, like, ha has a on-stage uh, attire <laughs> <laughs> other than the nasty black T-shirts that we have. Um, have. We've toured with bands that do that. I mean, it just looks like such a hassle. But anyway – um to answer your first question yeah we're going to have uh some work shirts made uh patches that look just like that that you can put on whatever you like and maybe some t-shirts as well um you know it's no secret that i'm a big you know philip k dick fan aliens blade runner that whole universe to me is just from a very impressionable age kind of defined my world in, in many ways and I still love it and it always creeps into lyrics and sometimes obviously and sometimes more subtly dude yeah and and for people that haven't checked them out the the videos red alert boss metal zone and obviously slaughter breach just came out guys make sure you're checking them out you'll see the uniforms I'm talking about the patches it's it's just it's cool man I, I'm just a oh, a fan that looks at things like that for sure now we were talking about I got a I got a six-year-old son he's uh he's turned seven and I'm also technology like not inclined so i was trying to teach him chess right because i played chess against my dad my entire life and he never let me win never beat him right <laughs> yeah that's he, probably why you're good at it yeah he's like you're a duel that's what i was gonna say and so <laughs> my uh my kid i'm like look i'm not gonna let you win ever ever and every morning we, we played chess since he was six he's he just went into first grade and he beat me this morning dude 
like legit. Ooh. Beat me. Six years old. You have crossed the Rubicon <laughs> of parenthood. Do you have that kind of uh, like board game bod with your son by chance, or is it like video games the only way to go? Do you have any? Do you have a Scrabble story or anything like that? Um, it, it, we have a our our son is 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 an only child, so he's never had the older brother or sister to beat him up. So sometimes I take on that role just out of principle. Yes, you know it's tough love because the world can be a cruel place, and if you try to soften all the edges they're in for a sore surprise when they leave the house um you know not so much uh like i can't think of any instances with a board game but sometimes the 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 words that he uses and i know it's not my doing it's just the way watching a, a, a child go from not being able to speak to suddenly being able to articulate themselves that make what makes you want to look up the word that they just used is one of the most amazing things. Um, I, for years, I thought like, as soon as I became a, a parent, then my rock and roll life would be over because that's just what's supposed to happen. But it actually became the most inspiring, uh, event that continues to this day that I, I, it still baffles me. And it's trying to have to explain the world to someone is the most amazing mental exercise. I completely same journey, man. Like my kids show me how to live every day. And I'm like, look at the world through their eyes or their, when they say a word or like a smile is more than genuine. Like it's, it's, um, I don't know, man. Like I virtually have became a better human being when I got to have to train or teach uh, someone. It was crazy. But yeah, the, uh, the chess thing. I'm broken, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I kind of had to, I've tried to um, play chess with my son and, you know, he's definitely the video game kid yeah. and we had to play easy chess for a while, which is great fun. Um, and I, I honestly think I was probably better at chess when I was seven than I am now. I'm telling you, know, you. Just, you said it's, it. it's a, it's a, there's a tender age where you can like think many moves ahead and the older you get that unless you're like a you know gary kasparov it's gonna go away <laughs> do you have those moments every day where you're like walking to do something and then you stop and you're like what was i doing <laughs> and you just forget um, about it you're describing every waking moment i feel I, it, it, every second man it happens i'm like where, where was i going Oh yeah, I was gonna grab something for the interview, and I'm like, "But what was it?" And I'm like, "It'll come back to me later, right?" And I just came right back, and I'm like, That's "I read it. something not too long ago. A lot of uh, there was a study regarding that. Oh. Um, you know, people try to chalk that up to old age or whatever, but that's it's something that happens throughout people's lives. And stepping through doorways, um, or into one room into another, whether it be small or large, actually resets people's brains." So sometimes you may be thinking something in one room, and when you go into the next room, your the neurons in your brain fire off and often confuse it to the point where you can't remember. And the fix to that is to go back into the room that you were just in and try to remember and walk back through the door. So give it a shot. I can't guarantee it. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, but I thought it was pretty fascinating. I am. That is fascinating. That makes total sense because of the different, I mean, you know, your senses are going to hit something. Wow. That is a cool yeah, study. That makes sense. I, 
everybody. It's some lizard brain business. <laughs> it's like, everybody's got to try it, though, man. That's so cool. Dude. And you did bring up something that I did want to talk about is that, you know, it is a cruel world out there, and we got to be a little tough, and we got to be, you know, sometimes big brother to our kids and to people we love even in, in that aspect. But growing up in the music industry, I remember seeing you guys. Like, uh, I just talked to Chad Gray about it, and I, we saw you guys at uh, – like when open for Manson and then I saw you later open for like, you know, system of a down and all that stuff. And you guys were always like, you had to like fight your way through some of these audiences, some of these tough crowds. And then it, it there was a moment where it's like, everybody just got it. And it was a cruel kind of place. Do you remember at that early stages trying to break through with all these, I guess, genres that were kind of enveloping the fan base? Do you remember how difficult it was to get to that stage? And when did you finally feel comfortable and clutch to be like, dude, we've crossed that stage that now we have our own people? Um, you know, that happened last night. You know, we played uh, a festival in, in Budapest last night, and there was a hip-hop act to play before us, and the place was packed. And the Arctic Monkeys went on at the same time we did, and the, the, the tent was empty. Um, not empty, but there was 200 people in a, in a 2,500 capacity tent. And I have to tell myself, if those people are there for you, you have one chance to make this right and do it and deliver it in the most sincere way possible. Uh, so, and those are the shows that matter the most in a lot of ways. Sometimes shows can be too easy and you can rest on your laurels. Uh, Often during headlining shows, I'll tell myself, I'll play a mind game and say, we're opening for someone tonight. You know, we're opening for you know, Kiss or The Who, and we got to upstage them. You know, and it's just, it's just a, a head trip of mine because I think it's, it's easier to perform at your best when you're like trying to make that first impression on someone. Um, you, know, you can only preach to your own choir for so long, but also you got to thank them by doing it again and again and again. Um, it took me a long time to realize that the people in the front row, when you're opening for another band, they're to see that band. The, those are the most passionate fans. Um, they've been there since last night or early this morning, and you're the obstruction between their experience and in the band that they want to see. So it's important not to judge the whole room by the front row and know that there's many, many more people hanging out back. And that was the case with that Manson tour um, and a bunch of other tours. I mean, I thought, you know, the, that crowd hated us, but it turns out that that was one of the most productive tours we ever did as far as like fans wanting to see the band a second time. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. And, and like you said, I was one of the kids in the back. And then I remember, like I remember System of a Down, you guys, uh, I think Mindless Self-Indulgence. And I just remember the same deal when the Elephant Riders came out, how excited I was to see you guys. I'm like, oh, man, I got to run and see Clutch. But you're right. I was always in the back because I was uh, I was a youngin too. I was kind of scared of the mosh pit, I'll be honest. But whatever. <laughs> well, that, that makes sense. The, um, the impression uh, was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and to be Quite fair. I was, you know, I had a bad attitude at that that tour in particular because mm -hmm. it was long, and you know, it was a bit of a toxic environment in some regards. But um, I'm very thankful we did it in in hindsight. 
Yeah, I mean, the like I said, it was it was there were so many shows that I remember where um, you guys opened for someone, and then I remember just like when the headlining stuff started happening for me to see you. And again, it was probably happening in other regions. It just it just felt like hey, you know, we've been here all together, you know, the whole way through. Um, it was great. I remember one of the first moments out here in Vegas. It was the Comp 92.3, the rock station. You guys, and Pure Rock Fury came out, and you guys did, like, a, something at this place called the Sunset Station. And I just remember there was a moment where I'm like, finally, it's time. It's time. And since then, it's never changed. And that was, it was like 2001 or two. This is just my memory as a fan, you know? Um, and it's just... It, it, going to that as a memory of a fan, I always love autobiographies, and we talk about the storytelling with the songs. You're, you, you have such a unique voice when it comes to that. Would you, if, if Clutch had to write an autobiography, right, would you prefer to do that in a screenplay format, or would you prefer to do that in the traditional book format? What, what, what would Neil Fallon want to do if, if he had to tell the story? Well, I, say, I, I, I often say this. One of the my if i do have regrets my, the, the largest one is i didn't write everything down mm. because for the first 15 years i was thinking okay this is going on for you know we're going to just do one more tour one more tour because clearly this is not a sustainable lifestyle um either you know physically or financially and then all of a sudden uh she's 2003 or they're about to roll around i was like wait a minute I've been doing this for 10 years um, and kind of, I wasn't dismissive of it, but I kind of wish I had, you know, even if it were just like today we played you know, Sunset Station and this happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be great to say a book. Uh, John Paul has a much better memory than I do. He remembers everything. But I would say screenplay just for practical purposes. That way you could leave out all the things I don't remember. Yeah, which I wish I do, which I could, you know, um, it's, um, it, it, I think when I realized that this was like, I could do this, you know, into my fifties, which were, that's where I'm at right now. It became a lot more fun. I became much more serious about it instead of kind of being, uh, I don't know, um, entitled isn't the right word, but just maybe lazy to a degree. Because I kind of just kind of fell into it, and then um, then I realized, wow, I can actually just do something in the creative arts for a living with these guys, as long as I want to, you know, barring any catastrophes. Well, that's a pretty damn good deal, and you should be appreciative of it. So that's kind of where I'm at still to this day. Yeah, and then traveling is a big part of it. That's usually very appealing, uh, definitely when you're you're starting early. Do you still, but then eventually I imagine that it gets tougher and tougher. Do you still have those moments when you're traveling and you're another, uh, you know, place, a foreign land? Do you still have those moments where you have to just kind of focus and, and, uh, I don't know, have like zen moments being away? Or because you've been doing this for so long, is it kind of let's just get to the next place? Um. I think there's always like um, I'm, I'm def- definitely, excuse me, spoiled. Mm. I mean, I, I've seen so much of, you know, for example, Europe where I'm in right now, um, that some people like, for example, my parents, they saved up their whole life for one trip to Ireland for two weeks, and 15 years later, they still talk about it. It's like it, like that was the the main jam for them. 
and here I am, um, you know, I was in Budapest last night, and tomorrow, today I'm in Strasbourg, France, and then we're going to someplace, and I don't even know where it is tomorrow. Um, and sure, I can. it is easy to take that for granted after you do it for 30 years. Um, and sure, there are times where I'd rather be home, like when I'm taking a shower at a festival, and the festival's been going on for two weeks. You can only imagine what those showers are like, and you just want to go home. <laughs> um, so um it's a great education it's the, the traveling in any capacity whether it be music or uh you get to see the world that you live in and your city and your state and your country is not the center of the damn universe by any stretch of the imagination yeah and that's something that i think is very very important because we'd like to live insular a lot of people and then that that does guide what we think everyone else should live sometimes and and it's just such a, a, a dark place to kind of go, I think, to forget about the world around. But like everything, there's also this positive thing to nurture the small area and show kindness uh, around to those that are closest. So it's, 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 it's one of those things. But the, the truth is, is that the, the traveler will always understand and probably have empathy on a different level than those who haven't traveled far. Do you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I think there's a there's we could go on at length about mm -hmm. that, but there's um, the people who haven't really traveled, and I'm not saying it's because they don't, it's because they can't, but maybe they choose to out of fear or whatever. Um, it's easy to kind of make a mythology about your 50 square miles, mm -hmm. and it's. Um, it's not healthy, and I think empathy is a good word when you meet people and you realize there's there really is so much more in common. It's just everyone's got a different swing on things. Um, at the end of the day, we're all doing the same shit. It's just different flavors and uh, of the same thing. And I'm, you know, once you get that bug and you. I kind of feel I know, I've seen a lot of the world, but I know I've only seen like maybe two percent. <laughs> if I had to ma if just do you know fast math, I want to see the rest. I know I can't, um, but that's a, a fortunate time that we live in that you can do this kind of stuff. Completely agreed. Completely, man. So one more time, I want to tell everybody because my time's almost running out, Neil, and and I need everybody to make sure they're pre-ordering and picking up Sunrise on Slaughter Beach, guys. It's coming out September sixteenth. Pre-order it. Vinyls are, are it's on the website on on ProRock.com. It says vinyls are going to be good on this one, or is it going to be a little bit of delay on that as well? To your knowledge, um, there are we they are being manufactured now. We already have them. Okay. Um, so that was the, our big hang up about a release date. We almost pushed it to January. Uh, but now that we know that they're being manufactured and have been for some time, I don't foresee any kind of push. Beautiful, beautiful. So fans, pre-order the vinyls if you can. Like I said, go to pro-rock.com. That's, that's the Clutch land. I love it so much. And, and the tour, North America, Clutch, Helmet, Quicksand, JD Pinkus. It's going to be awesome starting September 13th. So this record, last question I'm going to ask you, Neil, because I know it's time uh, to move on from our moment here that uh, I am so grateful for. Um, last question, Sunrise on Slaughter Beach, when it comes together to the world of the Clutch universe and all the albums that you've done, what makes it unique to you in your mind? 
and what do you think where do you think that it will land um on the live stage for you guys is this something you want to play in its entirety is this something that you think is going to fit in with all the categories tell me about everything you can about sunrise on slaughter beach to you well, it's always hard to to talk on these things so close to it. Usually, it takes a couple of years of you know the luxury of hindsight to see. Um, I do remember when we went into it, I didn't want a record that was lyrically about the past two years. Um, I wanted an upbeat record, and that's kind of how it started. But then it became um, you know, more of a dark record than I thought it was going to be. And maybe that's just because you have to be kind of artistically honest and, and listen to your heart, not your brain. Uh, we've tried some things on this record that we probably wouldn't have had we not been stuck for two years. It, instrumentally speaking, like vibraphones, theremin, backup vocals. And Tom Dalgetty, who produced it, did a great job, I think, of kind of finding peculiarities that Clutch hasn't done on previous records. It's a short record. We recorded a number of songs. We only put, you know, nine on there. And um, I think any one of these songs are going to just do fine on stage. Dude, I agree, and I can't wait to see them, guys. North American fans, make sure you're picking up tickets. Clutch Helmet Quicksand JD Pink is starting September 30th and 13th. I'm sorry, September 13th. And, of course, guys, Pick up the record. Sunrise on Slaughter Beach out September 16th. With that, Neil Fallon, my friend, thank you so much, dude, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Cheers. Thanks for having me.
Metal Sucks Podcast. Just the world of 
first song you heard is off the latest record from clutch sunrise on slaughter beach it's coming out september 16th you i know you all already pre-ordered it but make sure if you didn't because life is busy you do it today make sure you do this fantastic record man really 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 hope you guys are are, are gonna get your ears on it as soon as you can first song you heard is red alert boss metal zone second track we played off the same record and that is we strive for excellence as we mentioned at the beginning of the show they are doing a free live stream september 17th 10 p.m eastern time on their youtube channel 
guys, don't miss it out. I've been doing the clutch live streams all through the pandemic. They've done so many. I, like we talked in the interview, I just got the vinyl on the fourth one, Doom Saloon. Dude, don't miss this free live stream of this record, September 17th, and the North American tour with Helmet and Quicksand. Start September 13th. Go to pro, pro-rock.com to check dates, support the latest record from Clutch. Third song you guys heard is from a band that I love, dude. I've been digging this. This is a single-only track. The track is called Hive Mind. The band is called Reformist. They're touring out in the Netherlands. It's starting September 10th, guys. Make sure you are checking out Reformist, dude. But if you dig that track, Hive Mind, support them in every way you can. Like I said, the band's called Reformist. The track is called Hive Mind. And with that, I want to thank everybody out there. For the five-star reviews we keep getting on the good old Apple Titan. See? See what happened there? I'm going to try that again. I'm trying to get <laughs> the five star reviews we get on the good old Apple iTunes. It's because I'm trying not to suck boogers up. I'm trying to not to do that on the mic. I'm like letting them roll a little bit. Right? Yeah, talking about it isn't as gross as hearing it. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. give us the details. <laughs> All right, you guys. Let's I did hear, it. Let's I hear it. that. Now I'm good. I just sucked it up. We're good. Thank you for talking. Uh, you said it again. Five star review of the good old Apple iTunes uh, is all we ask for as a podcast team. We don't need words. We don't need comments. Five star reviews. If you guys do that for us, it means the world. We see the number grow. We don't miss a show. Last week we gave you an extra show with the wonderful David Davidson of Revocation. But you know we'll try to always do as much as we can to get out there and support this scene and these bands that we fucking love. So make sure you guys are giving us that five-star review on the Apple iTunes if you can. And to support our other podcasts, our documentary discussion podcast, it is called Rise to Offend. We've done 100 episodes. We've done Trey Parker and Matt Stone. We've done The Amazing Randy. We've done The Cleveland Browns. We've done Peter Steele, Chappelle Show, As I Lay Dying. So many different bands we've done, and that is a documentary discussion podcast based on their interviews and their digital imprint where uh, we take clips of what they said and we put it all together a lot of work but uh if you guys are interested in that go check it out that podcast is called rise to offend it is available everywhere and with that jocelyn i just want to reiterate how proud we are of you oh yeah thank you you. so happy that you kicked ass yeah thanks buddies listen ain't bad for an asshole who you know grew up in a shithole town in nevada huh she's talking about fallon nevada it's not a shithole. <laughs> I've never been, so I'll actually. I'm just. Is it a shithole? I've, I've never been. Never been. But I imagine if it bred Jocelyn, it bred a lot of wonderful, beautiful people to this place. It's true. So, it did. It really did. Yeah. I love it there. It's a shithole that I love. Hey, we all have those. <laughs> I call it my secondary bath. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What I got? I got a book in there. I'm reading. I'm, I'm all about it. Heat two, Heat two, a sequel to Heat, written by Michael Mann. Everybody, I'm not you were literally born in the wrong century. You should have been born in like the when films were just beginning to be made, oh, and then you could sit in a bathtub made of whiskey barrels and read. <laughs> that all sounds amazing, <laughs> except for racism. Oh, yeah, yeah. And misogyny. Yeah. 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 And, 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 oh, and truthfully, if I was in that wonderful, perfect time what for about the art, dysentery? I, there's no way I would have avoided it. I would have been one of those people. I would have been like, damn, I'm racist too because you're born in that time. You just learned that shit. <laughs> so I'm glad I wasn't. Dang. So I'm good. <laughs> you would have been upset. You'd be like, so oh, I'll man, just I'll just cry I'll just cry about streaming. I'll still buy my records and my VHS tapes and I'll just not be racist. When 
This is the greatest yeah, time to be alive. Right. You're greatest. right. You are. It, it is the best time to be alive. I 100% agree because if it was any other time, you wouldn't be able to stream my special coming out very soon. Oh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, guys. Next week. We love y'all. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.